0: On this last Sunday of this uh, series called Race to Life, of course, we've been focusing on baptism, and I want to ask you a question, and you don't need to answer it out loud, but I really do want you to answer it in your own heart, and the question would be this. Have you ever been baptized, but nothing changed? For some of you, the answer may be yes. If I'm honest, I was baptized, but nothing changed. See, that's very possible. Maybe you went through the motions. Perhaps you made, quote, a profession of faith. But it really didn't mean anything to you for various reasons. Um, But there was no real commitment on your part. There was no surrender of your heart, no surrender of your life. And over the years, uh, you, you just recognize that there's really not been a life change occur in your life. You know, I've heard lots of stories like that. Lots of stories where people got wet in the baptistry but nothing in their life really changed? Maybe your story would sound like this one, one that I heard. A young man told me that he was baptized when he was 11 or 12, and he did it because he wanted to please his parents. Uh, He walked down front. He shook his head when the preacher asked him questions. Preacher prayed with him and told him he was saved, and then the preacher baptized him. But time proved that nothing really changed in his life. That young man said that He said, you know what, I I got baptized, but I was nothing more than a wet sinner. Well, that's a pretty good description, pretty accurate description. And he went on to tell me his story. He said within a year or two after that, as a very young teenager, he started living on the wild side, drinking, smoking pot, and just continued throughout high school. And he continued doing that through most of his college years. And he said his life felt empty. And he finally came to realization he was living a lie. And then he said for three or four weeks, he started searching for what he was missing. And one night, alone with his Bible and alone with God, God confronted him with his sin. And he cried out to God in his hurt and in his emptiness. And he asked Jesus to forgive him of his sin and to save him. And that young man, that evening, surrendered his life to Jesus Christ. Then he decided to be baptized again, but this time as a follower of Jesus Christ. Maybe you can relate to that story. Deep down, maybe the details are a little bit different for you, but deep down, you know that nothing really changed when you, got, when you got baptized, that you really are a wet sinner. I want you to listen carefully. Up in the balcony, down here on the lower floor, I want everybody to hear this. You can walk the aisle. You can pray a prayer. You can be baptized. You can be a member of this church and still never be saved. It happens all the time. And in fact, I want to show you an example of, of, I believe that very thing, an example of a wet sinner in the Bible. It's found in the book of Acts chapter 8. Would you open God's word to Acts chapter 8? <coughs> in Acts chapter 8, we see the story of a man named Simon. Simon. Let me give you the context before we begin to read. In chapter 8, verses 1 through 3, the new church in Jerusalem, the brand new church in Jerusalem, the first church, if you will, was experiencing persecution. They began to experience some very severe persecution to the point that many of the Christians were pushed out of the city. They were driven out of the city of Jerusalem. And so it says, picking up the story in verse 4, Those who had been scattered, that is, those who had been pushed out of Jerusalem, those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Christ there. And when the crowds heard Philip and saw the miraculous signs he did, they all paid close attention to what he said. With evil shrieks, I'm sorry, with shrieks, evil spirits came out of many. And many paralytics and cripples were healed. So there was great joy in that city. Now, as we kind of walk through those first uh, introductory verses, I want you to notice that it says that those who were scattered preached the word wherever they went. I've told you this before, but let me remind you, you can't take the gospel to a wrong place. That wherever you go, you're going to run into people who need to know about Jesus. And so Philip, in verse 5, he goes to Samaria, and the Bible says that he proclaimed Christ there, because people in Samaria desperately needed to know that good news. And it says in verse 8 that they paid very close attention to what he was saying. It says in verse 8 that God moved in, that, in their lives, and there was great joy in that city, it says in verse 8. Then, in verse 9, we are introduced to the man named Simon. Look at what it says in verse 9. Now, for some time, a man named Simon had practiced sorcery in the city and amazed all the people of Samaria. He boasted that he was someone great. Now, it says in verse 9 that for a good while, for a long time, Simon, this man named Simon, had practiced witchcraft. He had practiced sorcery. He was deep into the dark powers of evil, and he practiced sorcery and witchcraft. And he claimed to be either God or a representative of God. He claimed to be someone great. And he demonstrated his, quote, greatness by the demonstrations of this evil power. And the people, as they watched what he did, they agreed with Simon that he was indeed someone great. Look what it says in verse 10 and 11. And all the people, both high and low, gave him their attention and exclaimed, This man is the divine power known as the great power. So the people in Samaria were deceived by these dark things that he was doing, by this dark sorcery he was practicing. And they said, this man is the divine power. This man must be God or some type of God. Now, it's interesting what happens. These same people who were following Simon around Watching what he did. And it says they, they followed him around for a long time. And they watched what he did. But look what happened in verse 12. <coughs> but when they, that is the people who followed Simon around, but when they believed Philip as he preached the good news of the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were what? Baptized, both men and women. Now, I want you to pay close attention to the order of events. This is very important, and you've heard me say it, I think, every Sunday in this series. I've got it highlighted in my Bible. You can't see it from where you are, but I've got it highlighted in my Bible in verse 12. First, I've highlighted they believed, and then later in the verse, it says they were baptized. Please understand that order, and that is so important. They believed, and then they were baptized. You will always see that order in the New Testament. First, there's belief. Then there's baptism. That's always the order you see in the New Testament. But the talk of the town was not necessarily what Philip had said. Probably the the talk of the town was probably Simon. Because look what happened in verse 13. This is where the story takes an interesting twist. Simon himself believed and was baptized. And he followed Philip everywhere, astonished by the great signs and miracles that he saw. Simon himself believed and was baptized. Probably lots of people were talking about that. Lots of people were talking about what happened to Simon and and that even this great power, even this man of dark magic, even he believed and was baptized. Now listen carefully. Even though the gospel writer Luke, who wrote the book of Acts, even though Luke says that Simon believed, The rest of the text seems to cast doubt on what he did. I want you to look at the evidence. First of all, in verse 11 and 12, I want you to see this word they and kind of follow it in verse 11 and 12. They, the people of Samaria, followed him. They followed Simon because he had amazed them for a long time with his magic. So they're following Simon around. Because they were amazed at what he was doing through his dark magic. Verse 12, but when they, those same people, when they were baptized, I'm sorry, but when they believed, Philip, as he preached the good news of the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized. Then it says in verse 13, Simon himself believed and was baptized. It appears to me that here's what happened in Simon's life. Simon had all these people following him as he practiced his his witchcraft and his uh, dark magic. And and he had all these people amazed at what he was doing and following him around. And, And then all of a sudden, Simon lost his audience. They saw Philip. They heard Philip. And they began to to listen to what Philip said, and they believed, and they were baptized. Now they started following Philip, and Simon turns around. He doesn't have a lot of people following him because they're all following Philip, and Simon wants to get in on it too, and he does what a lot of people do today. He followed the crowd. He did what the crowd was doing. So it says that Simon believed, and he was baptized. And notice this in verse 13. It says that Simon was astonished, not by the grace of God, that God would forgive someone like him. It says that Simon was astonished by what? The great signs and miracles that he saw. What really caught his attention. Here I think we get the first hint that Simon's life really wasn't changed. He's not amazed at the grace of God, that God would forgive someone in witchcraft. He he was amazed as he watched the power that Philip had as he performed miracles. Now, a little bit later, some people come to town named Peter and John, and his mind is really blown. Simon's mind is really blown by what he witnesses then. Verse 14, let's pick up the story. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them. And when they arrived, they prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them, they had simply been baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. Now, probably what that is talking about is this, that because Samaria was a different area and a different type of people, that the Holy Spirit didn't automatically come on them like he did at Pentecost, but now... The leaders of the New Testament church came and laid hands on the Samaritans who were considered half-breeds. And now we see a demonstration that even the Samaritans had come to faith in Christ and God accepted them and his his accepting of them was demonstrated through the Holy Spirit coming on them. Now watch what happens. (coughs) Now... (coughs) When Simon saw that the Spirit was given at the laying on of the apostles' hands, verse 18, he offered them money and said, Give me also this ability so that everyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. You see, as a sorcerer, Simon is in the power business. And he didn't care the source of the power so long as he could have it. So whether it was spiritual power from God or Occultic powers, black magic, if you will, they're all the same to Simon. He he wanted to buy this power to add it to his arsenal. It appears from the text that though Simon, quote, believed, his life had not been changed. Peter hints at that pretty directly in, in verse 20 through 23. Peter answered, may your money perish with you because you thought you could buy the gift of God with money. Now watch what he says in verse 21. You have no part or share in this ministry because your heart is not right before God. Repent of the wickedness and pray to the Lord. Perhaps he will forgive you for having such a thought in your heart. Look what he says in verse 23. For I see that you are full of bitterness and captive to sin. I believe, if you look at all of that together, that Simon, quote, believed he was baptized But nothing changed for him. He was a wet sinner. He was the same old Simon. Everybody look up here, I want to tell you something. I've seen that over and over throughout the years. I mean, it's interesting sometimes if you ask somebody, hey, are you a Christian? It's interesting, the answer. Next time you ask somebody, are you a Christian, listen for the answer. You know the answer I often hear? When I say, hey, are you a Christian? They'll say, oh, yeah, I was baptized when I was seven. Are you a Christian? Oh, yeah, I was baptized when I was 10. Are you a Christian? Oh, yeah, I was baptized when I was a teenager. It's interesting, they they always point back to their baptism rather than to a time when Jesus changed their life. I wonder what you point back to. If I were to come to you and sit down beside you and look you in the eye and say, Are you a Christian? Could you point back to a time when your life was changed? By Jesus Christ. I remember one lady who told me that when she was a little girl, her pastor said, at the invitation time, her pastor said, Now, if you love the Lord, I want you to come forward today. If you love Jesus, I want you with all of your heart, I want you to come forward. And so she did. She was a little girl. She loved Jesus. And so when the pastor said, If you love Jesus with all of your heart, I want you to come forward. So she came forward. And the pastor asked her a few questions. She shook her head. He prayed with her. He told her she was saved. And the lady looked at me, she said, But Keith, I wasn't saved. She said, I I got baptized, but I wasn't saved. You know what she was? She was a wet sinner. Thankfully, when she was 16 years of age later on in life, which is 16 years of age, she was sitting in a worship service and she heard the gospel preached and she understood what the gospel was and she surrendered her heart to the Lord Jesus Christ that night. And then she said, You know what, Keith? I got saved that night and I know it. And she got baptized later as a follower of Jesus Christ. You know, people get baptized for lots of reasons. That's why we try to counsel with people when they come forward. It's like, I want to make sure that you know the Lord before we ever baptize you. And because I found that some people are baptized not because they're ready to surrender their life to the Lord, but they're baptized because of parental pressure or the pressure of a Sunday school teacher. I know a man that when he was a young boy, his mother told him, you need to go down front and get baptized or you're going to go to hell. Now, that's a motivation if you're a young boy. And I'm sure she had good intentions. I'm sure her heart was for her son. And she said to him, you need to go down front and get baptized or you're going to go to hell. That's a scary thought as a young boy. So he did what his mama told him to do. But nothing changed. It was just a wet center. So if you've had a parent or a teacher or a friend who pushed you into baptism, who pressured you to go get baptized so you won't go to hell. I want you to know something. You're not alone. Lots of people have experienced that. In fact, if you go back in in history, there's a dramatic example of that very thing. If you know anything about Roman history, there was a, a Roman emperor named Constantine. Constantine, it's amazing what he did. He marched, he lined up all of his troops across this river. And he marched them into the river, through the river, and declared that they were now baptized. When they got to the other side, he said, now you're Christians. I'm going to baptize all of you. Everybody march down into the river. They go down into the river, come out, out of the river. He said, now you're Christians. He baptized all of his troops that way and declared that they were Christians. Can I tell you what really happened? They marched into the river as a sinner, and they marched out of the river as a wet sinner. That's exactly what happened. And that's exactly what happens to a lot of people today. I'll tell you a secret. Somebody get ready to say amen. I'll tell you a secret. If Jesus didn't change you before you walk into the baptistry, the water sure won't do it. Max Licato said it best when he said, don't allow baptism to be something that it's not. Apart from the cross, it has no significance. If you're trusting a dunk in the water to save you, you've missed the message of grace. See, if your faith has been in your baptism and not in the Savior, you're trusting in a powerless ritual. Maybe I can say it to you this way. Baptism is never the event. Baptism is rather a picture of the event. I want to ask you a question, and it is indeed the most important question I could ask you today or any time. And the question is this, has Jesus changed your life? Has Jesus changed your life? Have you truly repented of your sin? Have you ever fully and finally surrendered your life to Jesus? If not, or if you're unsure, I want to show you what you need to do. You're in the book of Acts. Go over to the left and find Acts chapter 3, verse 19. Acts chapter 3, verse 19. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. This is what you need to do. If, if Jesus has never changed your life, If perhaps you're just a wet sinner, here's the step you need to take. Repent. Turn away from your sins and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out. Wouldn't you like to have all of your sins wiped out? And here's what will happen. That times of refreshing may come from the Lord. That's why we're having Baptism Sunday. It's not just so we can say, hey, we baptize a lot of people. No, 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 no. We're giving you the opportunity to put this Scripture into practice. We're giving you the opportunity to repent of your sin, to turn to God, to have your sins wiped out, and to experience times of refreshing from the Lord, to to truly give your life to Christ. And then, after you have believed in Him and put your faith in Christ, as a testimony that Jesus has indeed now changed your life, we're inviting you to be baptized. It's interesting to me that when you look at this scripture so often, you'll see something that, that maybe you've overlooked as you've read the Bible. But whenever you read, in, especially in the book of Acts, there's many times this idea of joy being associated with salvation and baptism. Can I say it to you this way? When you get truly saved and then you demonstrate your faith through baptism, there ought to be a little celebration about that. I mean, you ought to have something to celebrate. <laughs> this morning in the first service, the first lady I baptized. And she didn't say it loud, but but by, when I put her under and brought her back up, she went, woo <laughs> In her own way. You know what she was doing? She was celebrating what Jesus had done for her and what she had now done as a follower of Jesus Christ. And you see that in Scripture a lot. Let me show you a couple of examples of that. You're in the book of Acts. Go to Acts chapter 8 and go to verse 34. (coughs) In Acts chapter 8, verse 34, uh, we read another story about Philip. Previously, we read about Philip in Samaria, preaching the gospel and people responding. And now in verse 34, the same guy, Philip, is on a road the Bible calls a desert road And he's talking to one individual, an Ethiopian eunuch, who actually has a copy of the Scripture in his hand, but he can't quite understand it. He can't quite understand what he's reading, can't quite grasp the message. So in verse 34, the eunuch asked Philip, Tell me, please, who was the prophet talking about? Himself, someone else. He was reading Isaiah, the book of Isaiah, chapter 53. And he understood that this was a prophet talking about something incredible, but he didn't know who he was talking about. So he said, is he talking about himself or is he talking about someone else? You know what I've discovered? Those who don't know Jesus, they often need somebody who does. Those who don't know Jesus need somebody Who does? Because they've got questions. They've got things they can't quite grasp. they got things they can't quite understand. So thankfully, God sent Philip to this man, and this man looked at Philip and said, Listen, I'm reading this Bible. I'm reading this scripture, and I don't understand it. Can you explain it to me? And so we pick up the story, verse 35. Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture, the one that the man couldn't understand. He began with that very passage of scripture and told him, The good news about Jesus. I want you to know Jesus is always good news. So it says in verse 36 as they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here is water. Why shouldn't I be baptized? He had a very good question. They're traveling along. He's he's responded apparently to what Philip has told him. He's put his faith in Christ. He said, Hey, there's some water. Why shouldn't I be baptized? So skip down to verse 38 and we read these words. And he gave orders to stop the chariot. And then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and Philip baptized them. And when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away. And the eunuch did not see him again, but went on, watch this, he went on his way doing what? Rejoicing. He went on his way rejoicing because he had come to put his faith in Christ. He finally understood the scriptures. He finally had his life had been changed by the Lord Jesus. He had demonstrated his new faith through baptism. And he had something to celebrate. So he went on his way rejoicing. That's not the only time you see that in Scripture. Let me show you another one. Very clear. Over in Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16. We're actually going to look at this scripture tonight as we talk about the church of Philippi. But in Acts chapter 16, (coughs) Paul and a man named Silas are in Philippi, and they're arrested for preaching Jesus. And we pick up the story uh, in verse (coughs) 29. What's happened is that while they're in the prison, they're singing hymns, they're Praising the Lord, Paul and Silas, in the middle of the night. If we, let's pick it up, verse 25. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were doing what? Listening to them. Because, you see, that's just not normal. Not normal to be in prison and you're praying and you're singing praises to God. That's just not normal. What, what, who are these guys? What's happening? So look what happened. Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken and at once all the prison doors flew open and everybody's chains came loose and the jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. Because in that day, if you lost a prisoner, you lost your life. And so rather than wait on somebody else to do it, when he saw the that the doors were opened. He assumed that all the prisoners had escaped. He pulls out his sword, and he's about ready to kill himself. Look what happened. Paul shouted, verse 28, Paul shouted, Don't harm yourself. We are all here. The jailers called for lights, rushed in, fell trembling before Paul and Silas, and then he brought them out and asked, Sirs, why didn't you run away? Now, that's what it says. He brought in the lights and he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Translation. Sirs, how can I have what you've got? Because I've been listening to you pray and I've been listening to your hymns and now you have the chance to leave and you don't leave. There's something different about you. How can I have what you've got? What must I do to be saved? Then they replied, verse 31, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. You see anything in there about baptism? No. He says, listen, if you really want Jesus to change your life, believe in the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved. He doesn't say anything about, well, you need to go through a class and you need to be baptized and you... Need to join the church? He didn't say anything about that. He said, listen, if you want to be saved, if you want Jesus to change your life, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. And then he says, you and your household. In other words, this offer isn't just for you, but for everybody in your family. Verse 32 then they spoke the word of the Lord to him. That is, he further explained the gospel and to all the others in his house. And at that hour of the night, the jailer took them, washed their wounds. Then immediately, he and all of his family were baptized. Why? Because Jesus had changed their life and they wanted to identify themselves as a follower of Jesus Christ. He and his entire family were baptized. It's a beautiful thing when you see a mom or dad come to faith or cry, come to faith in Christ, and then eventually you see that same faith in Christ begin to spread throughout their family. So what happened here? Now, I love the way Andy Stanley describes baptism. He describes it as a public demonstration of a new association. I'm gonna say that again. You might want to write it down. Baptism, he said, is a public demonstration of a new association. And here's what he meant. Back in, in the days prior to Christianity, if a Gentile wanted to become a Jew, he was baptized. It was a little bit different from the baptism that we have, but still, that was the way that the Gentile publicly declared his association with the Jews. That, that now he's saying, I know I'm a Gentile, I was born a Gentile, but I'm publicly declaring my association with the Jews so that he was baptized. Same thing happened in the days of John the Baptist. John the Baptist came preaching repentance. People began to follow him and they began to be baptized, publicly associating with the message of John the Baptist. Baptism is a public declaration of a new association. And so the disciples of Jesus were told, listen, I want you to go out and preach the gospel to the entire world and I want you to baptize them. Because baptism is a public declaration of a new association. You're now going to be a follower of Jesus. So watch this. This is so good. When you're baptized, you physically demonstrate your heartfelt commitment to follow Jesus. When you're baptized, you physically demonstrate a heartfelt commitment to follow Jesus. It is a public declaration Of a new association. So I want to challenge you today. I want to ask you this closing question. Has Jesus ever changed your life? Notice I didn't ask you, have you ever joined our church? I didn't ask you, even if you've been baptized. I didn't ask you, did you walk the aisle and shake the preacher's hand? Did you pray with somebody? Uh, I believe we see in Acts chapter 8 the the demonstration of a man who was a wet sinner. He, quote, believed, he was, quote, baptized, but he was a wet sinner. His life wasn't changed after that. Maybe you know what that's like. Maybe you know what it's like to live years in uncertainty, to live years knowing that you were baptized, but your life never was truly changed by Jesus Christ. You know what you need to do? Acts 3.19, repent, turn to God. At times of refreshing may come from the Lord. You can repent and turn to God right here today. You can today declare yourself fully and finally a follower of Jesus Christ. You can declare today, I am trusting in Jesus, His death on the cross, nothing else, nothing more but Jesus and His death on the cross. I'm putting my life into His hands. I surrender my heart and my life to Him. And then, once you have declared your faith in Christ, tonight or some other time, You can declare that faith physically through the act of baptism, demonstrating your new faith in Christ. So today during the invitation, we're going to sing a song, and it's an invitation for you to give your life to Christ fully and finally. Say, Keith, I was a wet sinner, but now I want to be saved. You can give your life to Christ right here today, or you can come and say, Keith, I know that I'm saved. Whenever it was, I know that I'm saved, but I I haven't followed the Lord in Believer's Baptism. And I want to do that. I want to get my baptism on the right side of my salvation. Let me ask you to pray with me. Father, in the name of Jesus, you know every heart, you know every life, you know every situation. And I pray that you will speak now to convince and, if necessary, to convict. Not for anyone's glory, but so that lives could be eternally changed. And that Jesus could be glorified in what happens today. And it's in his name that I pray. Amen.